What's up? In case you don't know, this is my favorite haunting, the podcast. I'm Ames. I'm Mel. And we're here to tell you all about haunted places and ghosts and maybe some other shit along the way because we go off on tangents, but that's okay because we're human and we have conversations and that's how conversations flow. And there's also some history mixed in there too. There is history. We try to be comedic. Apparently that part is failing, but you know, whatever. Uh, we laugh. That's what's important. Uh, I have a plug. So yes. Andy, friend Andy, um, he wrote us in a viewer mail on our oh, viewer yes. mail episode, right. our bonus episode number one. Um, he published a book. Cool. It's a novel. Um, you can look it up on Amazon under Andy Sebastian. It's called Down to the Middle, and it's available in paperback and on Kindle. Way to go, Andy. Andy's fucking cool, you guys. So, um, definitely go check that out. I 1000% recommend. Um, I think that's all of our announcements. Cool. So we can jump right in. Sure can. Water's great. <laughs> um, should I go first? Why not? Do you want to go first? I really don't care. Okay, I'll go first. So, do you, <laughs> have you seen... Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Mm, probably a long time ago when it oh, actually no, came out. Oh, you don't remember? Okay, so one of my the most memorable, memorable scenes for me in that movie is, excuse me, miss, when are we going to see the basement? <laughs> <laughs> the basement? There's no basement in the Alamo. <laughs> Fun fact, there actually is a lower level. Oh. That might be a basement. I don't know. Um, so that movie is actually kind of inaccurate. But <laughs> I, so I did the Alamo. Oh, um, Alamo. <laughs> I did not do Pee-wee's Big Adventure. You didn't do Pee-wee's Playhouse. That's not. I didn't. Um, I did w- watch that scene though. To like, cause, <laughs> like as I was doing my research, like I constantly had that line in my head. There's no basement in the Alamo. So I went back and I watched that scene, and it's so horrible. <laughs> It's so bad. It's so bad and cringy, but, you know, it was the 80s. So there's a ton of history here, and I don't want to go over all of it because it's a fucking lot. But the Battle of the Alamo, so it was part of the Texas Revolution. So Mexico, like, had a war, and Texas was Mexican territory, but they were rebelling and revolutionizing and... All kinds of stuff. So the actual battle lasted from February 23rd through March 6th, 1836. Um, The numbers of soldiers and casualties vary. Um, Some account the 1,500 Mexican troops as Mexican casualties. And, but they're like, they say that there was 1,500 troops, Mexican troops that marched into uh, San Antonio, or what is today San Antonio, um, and the Texan numbers are as low as 180 in total, but there was a little bit more, I think. So um, the numbers I ended up using were from Wikipedia. So back in the day, Texas was still Mexican territory, and the Texans had driven the Mexican troops out of Mexican Texas. So there were about 100 Texan troops that stayed at the Alamo to defend it. 
Um, some reinforcements came, but on February 23rd, about 1,500 Mexican troops marched into what is today San Antonio in an attempt to take Texas back. Um, 1,500 versus maybe like 200, 250, like it's not really a mystery what happened. So the Texan leaders, they were basically begging the U.S. for men and supplies um, to help them out, but the U.S. had made a treaty with Mexico and if they were to help the Texans, it would have been an act of war against Mexico, which they didn't want to do. So for about 10 days, they had these small, like, little skirmishes, and there were minimal casualties. But on March 6th, in the early morning, the Mexican army advanced, and eventually the Texans were overpowered. The few who surrendered were immediately executed, and noncombatants were sent off to spread the word of the slaughter. So it was gruesome and bloody and gross and really fucking sucked for the Texans. Um so this is what the Alamo is typically known for. Um, but it originally was a mission set up by Father Antonio de San Benaventura y Oliveras in 1724. What a name. <laughs> yeah. You know those Spanish names because they they do like your father's name and your mother's name. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So that's what the E, the Y in the middle is. Oh, yeah. It's and. So Benaventura. Buenaventura and Oliveras. Um, But Father Antonio uh, in 1724. So the present, uh, anyway, he at the very least chose the present location in 1724, but it was moved around a bit for a few years before that. Um, So like the mission as a, uh, as a concept was in existence, Mm -hmm. but the actual building wasn't there. So then he chose the location 1724, um, but the foundation wasn't laid until 1744. And then it was home to uh, Spanish missionaries and uh, the native converts for almost 70 years um, until it was secularized, which does not mean what I thought it means. <laughs> it means it's being separated from religion. Because I always thought, because the secular. Mm-hmm. Is, I don't know. I went to Catholic school. You'd think I'd know this shit. I don't. <laughs> um, I don't know. To me, I would think that means the government's taking it over or whatever. Secularized? Because the secular, cause secular is a religious like word. So I just always thought it meant like being baptized. But it means it's being um, like disowned from, <laughs> from the religion, for lack of a better word, from the from the religion. So... Uh, so just as a note, missions weren't only for converting indigenous peoples. They like went in and completely, uh, immersed them in a new culture and like basically like stripped away their native cultures, which is not how the website words it, but reading between the lines, like you're, that's basically what they do. Um, like, no, don't do your thing. Do our thing. It's so much better. Um, which was part of the scene in Pee Wee's Big Adventure when he's on the tour mm-hmm. of the Alamo and she's taking them through and she's like, oh, look, it's Pablo and Inez. I don't remember the names that she used. Something like that. And, um, you know, they're, we're show, they're learning how to make Spanish corn. And tortillas, and they're weaving Spanish baskets. And so that's basically what they did. They took over their culture mm-hmm. and, like, stripped their indigenous culture away and replaced it with the Spanish culture. Um, 
And the mission originally was uh, named, not the Alamo, um, it was originally named Mission San Antonio de Valero. So that's your basic Alamo history. Um, so it was a, a church and, you know, so you have like religious origins and then that bloody battle, like slaughter, essentially, um, where all those people died and they died bloody. Um, straight into the hauntings um, from TexasHillCountry.com. So the first uh, report of a haunting there was the Six Diablos. It's probably like the most famous um, story of the Alamo. Uh, It happened right after the battle, like a couple of days. Uh, General Antonio Lopez de Santa Ana ordered General Juan Jose de Andrade to make sure all the standing buildings of the Alamo were destroyed. It's not just the names that are messing me up. It's all the titles. It's like general, general, colonel, lieutenant. Like I don't. Um, colonel Jose Juan Sanchez and his men uh, went to the site to fulfill the order. Upon arrival, the soldiers approached the chapel to tear it down. When they say six spectral monks wielding flaming swords, oh wow, materialized in front of them. They retreated back to Andrade and described the six Diablos. Andrade went himself, and he and his men were met in the same manner. The building is still standing. Those monks don't you touch their building. Flaming swords, like, back <laughs> the fuck off. Do not, no touchy. Because, um, uh, yeah, I mean, it sounds like, like the way it was worded, it sounded like they were about, because the article said something like, before they could put their hands on it. So I'm... <laughs> Like, I'm picturing, like, they're right at the wall, and they're reaching out to start ripping bricks out or something. And then these monks with flaming swords just, like, pop out of the wall. Like, no, back. Uh, A young boy's face has commonly been sighted peering out of one of the high windows above the gift shop. So these are those type of windows. They're, like, because it sounds like the building is maybe, like, a story and a half. There's not really a second floor. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's like open concept. Oh, so like like skylights, but not skylights, not on the roof, but like really high. Yeah, so it's like you have almost a two story structure, but there's no second floor, so it's just open inside, and then mm-hmm. there's windows up where the second floor would be, but there's no floor, so there's nowhere to stand, and that's where this <laughs> little boy's face is seen peeking out. That's always creepy when there's like a figure and there's no floor. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's curious though because like if that were to be like a residual. It sounds like there probably never was a floor there. Like I didn't, it didn't sound like there was something that was taken out. It sounded like that was the structural design. So what's he doing up there? I don't know. Unless it's not residual. I mean, some churches have like a partial, like a choir loft type thing. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Just an idea. (laughs) But I mean, it's not there anymore still. So, uh, so this guy, James Choron, 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 I'm sorry if I'm saying that wrong. So he had an experience there. So he writes, in the summer of 1990, I took my children to see the Alamo. The kids enjoyed the tour, especially my son, Eric, and his oldest sister, Megan, who seemed to be totally spellbound by everything around her. As we were leaving the Alamo, Megan looked behind her and waved, then softly and very somberly said, goodbye, Jaime. She pronounced it Jaime as in Spanish, which is something that she would have had no way of knowing at the time. So it looks like Jamie, but oh, okay. it's pronounced Jaime. 
I looked around to see who she was waving to, thinking she had met some new little friend on the tour, and to my surprise, no one was in sight. When I asked her who she was talking to, she said, Hi, me, there he is right there. And she pointed at a spot directly in front of the Alamo's doors. No one was there. I told her that I didn't see anyone and he must have gone back inside. Then she said, no, there he is, and pointed. I still didn't see anyone. She then described him to me, a Mexican boy, about 15 or 16, wearing cotton pants, a white cotton shirt, sandals, and a tall black hat. She said that he had stood beside her the whole time we were in the Alamo and told her about the battle. He said that he was there. He said that he's been there an awfully long time and can't go home. He was sad, but he was glad that he found me to talk to, is what she said. Wow. And that's not the only account of somebody, like, tagging along on the tour. I think I wrote it down a little bit later. Um For a short time in the late 1800s, the building served as a prison, and prisoners as well as guards reported seeing spirits. Um, no specific accounts, but uh, just that. Um, park rangers and tourists have reported seeing figures materializing from the walls of buildings. Sounds of battle have been heard on the grounds. Ghosts cited include John Wayne and Davy Crockett. So Davy Crockett was present for the, or he was one of the ones that mm-hmm. was at the battle. And then uh, John Wayne shot the movie The Alamo at the Alamo, um, which is interesting. And you'll see why at the end, which is not that much farther to go, I guess, because I'm blowing through this quicker than I thought I would. Uh, from TexasEscapes.com. Every year, a few days after the anniversary of the battle, residents of the area are awakened in the early morning by the sound of hooves on the pavement. They believe this to be the spirit of James Allen trying to return to report back to Colonel Travis. Those are the Texans. Um, Allen was a courier who left the Alamo the night before the battle. Mm. So he was leaving to, um, I think, ask for more reinforcements than he would have been coming back to be like, we're not getting anybody. So there are dozens of reports of a man dressed in period clothing, carrying a long rifle, walking slowly from... I'm probably going to say this wrong, and I am going to preempt this by saying I did look up how to pronounce it, but it's just a long word. So, and it looks very intimidating. It doesn't look like how it's supposed to be pronounced, but Nacogdoches, there's a G in there. That doesn't sound like there's a G in there. Um, To San Antonio. And when witnesses have stopped to ask him what he's doing, he only responds that he is trying to get back to the Alamo where I belong. And he's thought to be the spirit of Luis Rose, known as the coward of the Alamo. So when um, Colonel Travis, there's this fame, there's this, like, he drew this famous line in the sand. Mm -hmm. And he basically gave everybody, like, a last chance. This is the only guy that ran away. Everybody else stayed and, you know, died. Um, repeated reports of sightings of a man and a small child on the roof of the church at sunrise. Uh, Colonel Andrade and several of his men all reported seeing at the time of the battle. A thin man holding a small child in his arms leaped from the parapet of the church at sunrise. So the parapet, I had to look it up because I wasn't sure what it was, but it's that like fake wall Mm. that comes up above the roof. Okay. Um, so he's like standing on top of that. So during the battle, they say that he like jumped with a kid in his arms and we don't know what happened to him. But um, now people see them 
standing on the roof at sunrise, which is when the battle would have been going. Um, and then when I mentioned earlier about that wasn't the only time that someone had been reported like tagging along with the tour group. So there's multiple reports of two young boys, 10 to 12 years old, who tag along with the groups, but no one sees them arrive and no one sees them leave. And they never actually seem to be with anybody in the group. And they always disappear when the tour reaches the Sacricity room. Sacricity? I think it was like the first time. Sacricity? Sa- I, I think, I have no idea. Sacricity? Sac- Sacristy. Sacristy. Yeah. There you go. See? Sound it out. Um, They're believed to be the sons of artilleryman Anthony Wolfe. And they were both killed mistaken for combatants. They were 9 and 12. Uh Yeah. I don't know how you mistake a 9-year-old for... I mean, 12 is young too, but I've seen some grown 12-year-olds. But 9? Yeah. 9's little. Um. So all the reports are personal experiences and like there's lots of like multiples. So like the boys in the tour group, that's a common one. The seeing the man and the child on the roof. Um, There were no uh, reports from investigations and there's a reason. The Alamo, this is from the Alamo, the Alamo's official website. Um, the Alamo is a shrine. It is a registered historical site and literally a cemetery for hundreds of people, both Mexican and Texan. No investigations are allowed on the site. It is, in fact, a violation of the law to take photographs inside the Alamo church or the long barracks, which are the only two original structures still standing. No cameras or other electronic apparatus, including EMF meters, are allowed to be used within the confines of the Alamo. They can be used outside on the grounds, but if you're looking for activity inside the buildings, you can't even just on a tour, you can't take pictures. Hmm. So, cause it's like sacred ground, I guess. So no official investigations, no official evidence. So the only way to know is to go. I guess. Um, everyone plan a trip to Texas. I'm going to Texas. You going to see the Alamo? Next month. I don't think it's on our route. Oh. No, it's a little bit south. We're going to Austin. Oh. So it's a little bit. And we we are just spending a couple nights at a dude ranch. <laughs> but I think, and I think it's a little closer to San Antonio, but I think it's more west than south. Mm. And San Antonio is like south of Austin. Yeah. So if you go look for the little boy in the window, look for a couple of kids in your tour group that don't really belong to anybody. And then report back to us because I want to know. <laughs> and ask if you can see the basement. <laughs> There's no basement in the Alamo. And then everybody laughs. Poor Pee Wee. <laughs> it's your turn. My turn. Okay, so I did the Macduff Castle and the Caves of Whims. I immediately thought of the beer on The Simpsons, but that's a Duff beer. <laughs> yes, and it's in... Scotland. Of course it's in Scotland, Macduff. <laughs> oh my god, did you see they think they figured out what the Loch Ness monster is? No. Scientists are posing that it's or positing that it's giant eels. <laughs> giant eels. Giant eels. I don't know that that's better. <laughs> no, probably not any better. 
than a giant sea monster of some kind. Because if there's one sea monster versus multiple giant eels. Yeah. Ew. Ew. (laughs) Their faces look so weird. Flotsam and jetsam. I like eels. They're fun. I like to look at them in aquariums when I'm not sharing water with them. (laughs) Okay, so some history on Macduff Castle. It was the first castle built by the Earls of Fife in the 11th century. Um, And they were the Macduff family at that time. And then somehow the family name changed to the Wems in the 14th century. And they owned the castle and built the earliest part of the present day castle. So the first castle got destroyed because of fighting and war and stuff like that. And then it passed to the Livingstons. And then in 1530, it was taken over by the Colvilles, who built the second tower and enclosed the courtyard. In 1637, it was bought by Sir John Wems, which was the original descendant from the 14th century Wems. So it got like Back and forth, back and forth. And then in 1967, the Eastern Tower was demolished by Fife County Council after a child was injured falling from it. And the castle remains the property of the Wems estate. Wait, the whole thing was destroyed when a kid fell off? No, just the Eastern Tower. Um, oh, okay. That, I think that was the original tower. Not So, like, not the tower that was built in the 1530s. But the one that was original to the 14th century. Structure. Yeah. Because it was probably already falling down, and that's why the kid fell when he was climbing on it. Oh, I mean. Did he then, um, like, go into a coma and wake up with the Eye of the Raven? No. Oh. Well, it doesn't say. Oh. But probably not. But probably not. Um, and the the castle is now a scheduled ancient monument, which is a nationally important archaeological site given protection against unauthorized change. So it's going to remain the way it is. See, I always thought it was impressive. Well, like my house is like on the, it's a historic landmark, mm-hmm. but that's like the next step up. Like I didn't realize there was a next step up, but ancient monument. Yeah. So the the castle sits up on a bluff overlooking the North Sea. And on sea level, there are a network of caves um, formed around 6,000 or 7,000 B.C. Um, There's about 11 caves that that are known. Um, Two of them are named. One is the Court Cave. It used to be where they held trials and stuff. And the other one is the Well Cave, and it's it's said to have um, a healing well in its depths, but um, I haven't seen any evidence of like people finding the well, so I don't know if it's like filled in now or it's dr- run dry or... In the steps? You said in the steps? What steps? Depths. Oh, depths. In the depths of the, the cave. Oh, because I'm like, how in the steps? So somebody built steps and put a... Oh, okay. In the depths of the cave. Okay. So the the well cave, it has a smaller, like, entrance room and then a narrow passage. And 
Nowadays, it's so narrow that people have to get down on their hands and knees to crawl from the one entrance room to the bigger room that's like basically right directly below the castle. And it's believed that there was a, um, a passageway created from the castle down into the well cave. And in the back of the cave part that you can still get into, it looks like there's a collapsed or filled in like secret passageway tunnel thing. Um, so um, a lot of the evidence that I have for the haunting stuff um, came from a group called Scottish Paranormal. And so one of their people w like crawled back into the very far back and like was looking down and like holding a flashlight looking in there. And he said, it looks like it turns like a 90 degree angle back there. So like if there wasn't giant pieces of rock in the way, they could go further. Move them. I want to know what's back there. I bet there's treasure. Yeah, they said they were going to get a GoPro and put it on a remote control car and, like, drive it yes! through there. Yes! <laughs> yes! Do it! I fully 1,000% support that decision. I have not seen any videos or gotten found any information about if they had done that yet or not, so we'll see. There is archaeological evidence of prehistoric, Middle Iron Age, Pictish, Medieval, and Post-Medieval activity in these caves, and it also contained several Pictish incised carvings. So these caves have been used for a long, long time. I'm sorry, what is Pictish? I'm not sure. The Picts. <laughs> that's what, that's what, they're a group that lived in that part of the world. I don't remember what time period. I don't know. Oh. I've heard of them before, but I don't know a lot of specifics about them. So they say the Picts... James IV, gypsies, smugglers, druids, and pagans have all used these caves for different purposes. And locals tell of a tale of a piper who played his way into the court cave and never came out. And they never found his body or oh, anything. Because he took that 90 degree turn. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's uh, one important incident that happened around the castle and the cave system. So Mary Siebold was the daughter of the Laird of Belgani Castle and alleged to have had the misfortune to fall in love and elope with one of the gypsies living in the court cave. Then a lady by the name of Jean Lindsay was jealous because that gypsy was her ex-lover or something. And she is said to have planted a brooch under the sleeping mat of Mary Siebold. The next morning, Lindsay declared that jewelry had been stolen, and they searched and found it under Mary's mm. sleeping mat. Mary was accused of theft. She was tried and found guilty in the court cave by Baron Bally. She was sentenced to either 12 or 20 lashes. Accounts vary about how many lashes she got. She was whipped, and then she eventually died from the whipping. They say she died in the well cave because she was taken there, and a monk was, like, soothing her wounds with the healing waters from the well. But that's where she eventually died. So clearly they're not actually healing waters. They're probably loaded with some kind of bacteria, and she probably <laughs> turned septic. She probably developed sepsis. 
And um, it says, Lindsay always denied accusations of having borne false witness against Mary. Until, and that leads us into the hauntings. Uh, the first account of either, they either call her the white lady or the gray lady. And she's believed to be Mary Siebold. Was her appearance before King James the Fourth. And King James the Fourth liked to dress as a commoner and like hang out with his subjects and like to see how things are going with everyone. So he was hanging out with the gypsies in the caves. So him and the band of gypsies, they were all in the well, well cave and a fight broke out. So this was shortly after Mary's death. So a fight broke out over Mary's death. Jean Lindsay eventually confessed she bore false witness against Mary because Mary's ghost appeared to them dressed all in white with piercing blue eyes. And she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I actually did. I'm sorry you died. But not really. Sorry she got caught. Yeah. So that was the very first account of the white lady. So then comes uh, Scottish paranormal investigations into the caves. Um, so they started, they started in one cave and then moved to the other cave. I think they were in the well cave for most of the time. Um, so what they were going about their business, trying to investigate, and they heard what sounded like shuffling more than once. And investigators heard what sounded like a woman talking quietly, but the camera didn't pick it up. And then at another point, there was this loud thud, clearly heard on the cameras, but none of the investigators reacted to it. Like, two cameras were trained. Like, this one woman was just, like, sitting in a chair in the middle of the cave, Two cameras were, like, aimed at her. There was another guy, like, standing behind her and some people in front of her. No one moved. It was a quite a loud thud. So it was, like, an EVP. I guess so. Except not a voice, but... Yeah. An ESP? Electronic sound phenomenon? <laughs> yeah. It's not a voice? Because they still call them EVP, which is... Oh, I always thought that was weird, like, when, like, they'd go back, like... Not them specifically, but just, like, investigators will go back and review audio, and they'd mm -hmm. get, like, footsteps or, yeah. like, other sounds that they didn't hear at the time, but they still refer to it as an EVP, but, like, it's footsteps, not a voice. Yeah. Simplicity, what? I'm sure, but, yeah, like, you know. All the investigators had an uneasy feeling in the well cave area. Hair standing on end, static energy, that's what they called it. Instead of feeling like static electricity, they called it static energy. Um, they felt cold spots, cold enough to see their breath, and then a minute later it was warmed back up and they couldn't see their breath anymore. Several investigators saw a shadow figure walk past the entrance to the secret tunnel area or heard noises coming from that area. And in the court cave, it, feel, it felt like someone was following them around and shuffling behind them. And um, one of the investigators was out towards the entrance of the court cave, and there's these man-made pillars. They look like brick, to I guess, to help hold up the entrance area. And he was out there by himself, and he heard unidentifiable noises around by the pillars. And the camera didn't pick it up, but he kept on like, I hear that, I hear a noise, and he'd move the camera around, and but there was nothing there, but we couldn't hear anything either. And during their investigations, they used um, random noise generators... A Frank's box and Echo Box, which is a basically a ghost box app for your phone. And they caught a lot of EVPs or 
random voices from those things. And then we can put up a link to where you can watch a documentary and hear all the stuff they caught because it was a lot of things. Um, one thing that was um, interesting was at one point, not down in the cave system, but up in the castle, they were using the echo box and they caught words in a Scottish dialect and a woman saying Glasgow. And um, apparently that shocked the investigator and he contacted, he says, he contacted Danny, the creator of the Echo Vox, um, to make sure that there were no Scottish people, like no one speaking in Scottish dialect on like the random voice sounds or whatever they have in there. And he was assured there's not. It's a U.S. app. It was all U.S. person saying the sound syllables or whatever it is, mm -hmm. which was interesting. And there's some instances of seeing things or hearing things around the castle. On one occasion, they saw movement across one of the castle windows. And there is, uh, is up on the second floor, and there's no longer any floors up there. And another time, two investigators heard what sounded like horses moving around or generally making noises around the castle. And they had, of course, equipment malfunction or batteries draining completely. And there's also what they call a green lady, which is still thought to be um, Mary Seawold. But I guess in Scottish lore, green ladies are like women that have passed and they had like a great deal of sorrow during their passing or something like that or right before their passing. Do they wear green? Is that why they're green? I think they look they look green. green? They didn't specifically say like the Hulk. <laughs> but is, they're not angry. Is the Hulk in <laughs> fact a green lady? <laughs> That's why he's so angry. Oh, Smash. <laughs> She is said to usually appear as a tall, slim apparition who glides around the castle. She is recorded as having been seen by Lady Millicent Wems, and the story was recorded in the memoirs of her sister, the Countess of Munster. And there are a few personal accounts that were, like, comments on one of the videos I watched that they had of their investigations. I'm sorry, I zoned out for a minute because I was thinking of Munster cheese. <laughs> I just did like because I I know I saw you like look at me out of the corner of my eye and I was staring off into space. <laughs> I'm sorry. Continue. So uh, two different people, uh, Paul and Teresa, both felt uneasy or creeped out when they went down into the. They called it the bottom bit of the castle, which the is, bottom bit, which I think is like a dungeon esque type area, but it's like it's. Got a doorway, like, at ground level, and there's a big hole in the ceiling of it now, so it's, like, kind of open. They they went to explore the bottom bits. Yeah. That wasn't a Scottish accent, but I can't do a Scottish accent. Uh, close enough. They're, they're exploring the bottom bits. I loved watching all their videos because the... the oh, my God, the accent? The, yes. Yep. I love Scottish accents. Yep. I don't Same. And I was just like... An, once I was done watching the videos, I was typing up my stuff, and it was I was thinking in a Scottish accent. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, "This is so cool." 
I think I need to date a Scottish guy next. Just for the accent. <laughs> yeah. I'll be fully up front, too. I'm just using you for your accent. Three dates tops. <laughs> okay. Um, then there was uh, a personal account from Jane. I'm not going to read it exactly as she wrote it because it wouldn't make sense. <laughs> so she visited McDuff Castle with her brother and kids. And they were taking pictures and they got loads of unexplained mist and stuff on the pictures. And she also got pushed. And they all felt uneasy. And then there's um, something from Ryan, an investigator. Um, he took his wife with him and his photographer daughter. Uh, he writes, My better half rarely does any of this research or observational work, but sometimes pops along to help me with the equipment or keep me company. My wife began to go down that way, which means it was a response to, um, I think, Paul or Teresa. It was um, talking about the dungeon area, I think, the bottom bit. <laughs> the bottom bits. Investigating the bottom bits. <laughs> there are so many. I'm 12, I'm sorry. Okay, so she began going down there. And when she, then she let out an OMG, that's what it says, an OMG exclamation point. OMG! Now, she never does this at all, so it startled me. I thought someone was maybe in there and she had got a fright. I, it transpired that she saw a thin, misty figure, smoke-like mass, you could say. It was there and then gone. She was slightly shaken with it. Only slightly shaken. OMG, your bottom bits. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm 12. Um, did she say OMG or oh my god? I don't know. It, it just says OMG. I have no idea. Oh well. But apparently she doesn't use that term much. Hmm. And that was all for Macduff Castle and hey, the Caves McDuff's. of Wems. So that was all for this episode. Your bottom bits. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, your bottom bits. There's. I'll investigate your bottom bits. That's what I'm looking for. That's my next pickup line. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the title of this one, gentlemen? If some weirdo shows up next to you in the bar and says, "I'd like to investigate your bottom bits," it's me. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm not that bold. I would never say that to a stranger. I actually had the, I was going to do something about the basement in the Alamo for the title, but I oh. think I'm, I think it might be something with bottom bits. <laughs> I think it's going to change to that. Oh God. It doesn't matter. Any it's, title would do. Whatever. Episode 33. That's the title. Uh, rate, review, subscribe, follow all of our social media stuff, Instagram, Twitter, my fave haunting or my, yeah, my fave haunting. And then. Facebook is my, our page is my favorite haunting. And we have a really cool Facebook group where people post some cool shit when they visit places or they find cool articles and we have a lot of fun in there. We do giveaways and shit. So, um, my favorite haunted group. Also the home of the paranormies is what our fans are called now. Um, if and you have yeah. any personal stories, don't hesitate to email them to us. We will be happy to share or just read them. If you don't want us to share them, it would be cool to know. 
my favorite haunting at gmail.com. If you don't want us to read it, specify because otherwise we're probably going to read it. Um, yeah, that's it. Thanks for potting with us.